Welcome to the KC City Church Audio Podcast. We pray you enjoy this following sermon. Amen, amen. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. You know, I heard this, I've been listening to a little bit of uh, Dr. Carolyn Leaf. And, you know, switch on the brain and stuff like that. So, anyway, in one of the, one of the several podcasts I heard this, so this is not, this is not, my joke as such. But anyway, you, you, you know, you've a lot of, and if you're a blonde here, please uh, don't take offense. But you know, there is, there, there's, there's lots of blonde jokes as there are a lot of bald jokes too. So, you know, I feel, I feel part of that too. So, <laughs> though I'm not blonde, I'm bald. So anyway, anyway, there's this one blonde lady, she goes to the bank she goes to the bank and uh, she needs to borrow some money. So she goes to the bank and she applies for a $5,000 lo- loan. And so as, she's, as she applies for the $5,000 $5, loan, obviously, you know, when you go to the bank, you can't get any money for free, right? So they ask, okay, what, what collateral do you have? And so she takes out the keys to her, to her, praise the Lord, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the praises of our God. Bless the Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we release peace over Zoe right now in Jesus' name. And we thank you. We thank you. Okay, now I need to get back to this. <laughs> so anyway, she, she, gives, she gives the guy the keys to her $120,000 Mercedes for a $5,000 loan. So, remember, it's this blonde that goes in to the bank to apply for a loan and then she gives that and she and and, and so she gets the five thousand dollars and she walks out and then two weeks later she comes back to settle that so and the interest was fifteen dollars and forty three cents so she comes and she says okay here's five thousand dollars and with the interest fifteen dollars forty three cents and so the the guy that was attending attending her said this, you know, we did a little bit of a, re- a little bit of check, some background check, and we've, we realized that you're a multi-millionaire. So why did you actually really need to borrow 5,000 from us when you're a multi-millionaire? She said, where, where, where in New York will you be able to park your car for two weeks and just pay $15.43? <laughs> <laughs> so if you're blonde today, rejoice. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So they went to their underground parking, took the car and gave it to her. And she, all, and she went two weeks and she, all she paid was $15.43 for parking. I parked in Bunjil Place for a council meeting. Council meeting, right? Going to solve issues there part of solving issues within our community. And I come back and I get an $83 fine because I've gone past two hours. But I was sitting in my car for a good half an hour and reading, or no, 20 minutes, reading. But they've got now these smart meters that just clock you in. So I, 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 I don't have an argument. Yeah, thank you. So I've gone, by the way, folks, I've gone before you. Now you know. 
when you park your car that way, it takes two hours. You better make sure you get back within two hours or you're gonna, or you're gonna pay. And the worst part was this. I was coming down the lift with one of their staff who was saying, oh man, I've gotta go move my car because you know, otherwise I'll get, I'll, I'll get a ticket. And I thinking to myself, oh man, pity you guys. Not realizing that when I went to the car, I had this $83. Oh, Jesus. I still haven't paid for it yet because I want to try and contest it, but I don't know whether it's possible. So, you know. Anyway, the good news is this. Jesus had taken and paid the price for us. There was, an, there was a ticket issued against us. Right? You heard last week that was presented to us, the gospel of the kingdom, and uh, th- there were two trees, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life, and I'm going to segue out of that, particularly the tree of life today, and I, I want to bring in a little bit of what we, what we call, now I'm, I'm, I'm no scientist, I'm, I'm, I'm just a pastor, but I, I do love biology, I do love science, and so I did a little bit of reading up on, uh, on uh, Dr. Leaves' theories and all of them. She's written quite a, quite a few books and believe me, she pulls in science and theology in such an amazing, you know, understandable way. It is so good. But you know, the, we know that the gospel is, this is a new clicker, praise, oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Yeah, the power of the gospel. So this is, this is the eighth part part eight of our, of, our, of, of our series. So the power of the gospel, gospel is the power of the gospel unto salvation, Romans chapter one, verse 16, right? Paul talks about that there is pow- the, the power of the gospel, that I'm not ashamed of the power of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power unto salvation. Now, looking at, just giving us, again, reminding us of the backdrop, remember, no, he's going to Rome. Rome is a powerful nation. They conquered. So to them, their reliance is on themselves. Their reliance is on their power. But Paul now is introducing a very, very important truth. And he's saying now the gospel, the good news, there is power. And I'm not ashamed of this power that can save you. And that can continue to save you. That can continue to solve the issues in your life. You might want to maybe bring it down a tad bit. Jeremiah, because I'll shout, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And, and so I, I also sometime, I think, did share with you an acronym to the gospel. So if you look at the word gospel there, G-O-S-P-E-L in red, it is to go on speaking, proclaiming eternal life. Or go on singing, proclaiming eternal life. Go on, sharing, proclaiming eternal life. That is the gospel. The gospel is all about that. It's about proclamation. It's about singing that proclamation. It's about sharing. It's about good news. It's about this good news. Amen? And, And there are a few scriptures today that we want to engage in on the context of proclamation. What do you declare? What is it that, what is it that you declare? Have you ever caught yourself saying this, watch your words? Have you told someone, hey, you better watch your words? Better watch your words, right? As parents, we tell them because our parents have told us that. Now, I remember in growing up, if we didn't watch our words, what would happen to us? Chili. They would put chili on our mouths. 
If you say that word again, if you use that language again, I'll put chili on your mouth. So, that is why you find a lot of Sri Lankans and Indians, we can eat spicy food. Because we've grown up having been put chili on our mouth, but you, a lot of you Caucasians, you, you say something and the response you get, darling, you shouldn't be saying those words. Honey, that's not right. You shouldn't be. And then, you know, so you're spoken to all of the time, all of the time, and your child responds, probably yes, and then they go behind the, behind closed doors, and they'll be blip this, blip that, blip that, and suddenly you go and knock on the door and say, what, what, what were you saying? Oh, mom, I was saying, hallelujah. <laughs> so you, 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 you find that the words that we speak, I know it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but when you're told to watch your words, there is something powerful in that. There is something very powerful in that. I mean, in a sense that we've used it as a disciplinarian uh, form in terms of cautioning or warning someone, you know, in, in that sense. But if we look at these verses here, the tongue has the power of life unto... Shami, you showed me some fancy stuff here. I don't know whether this... Oh, I can't use it. Uh, the power of the, the power, the tongue has power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Your words are so powerful, the, the, uh, the passion version, that they will kill or give life. And the talkative person will reap consequences. Death and life in the amplified version, I love this, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it and indulge it will eat its fruit and bear the consequences of their words and bear the consequences of your words. So whatever you declare, whatever you say, you will bear the consequences of that. Now, there is science that backs that up, thankfully. And, and, and one of the things, I, I, I caught her saying this, that, that in, in, in one of the podcasts, she had, she had mentioned this, that uh, science is taking a slow death. Because each, each time a truth, each, each time science begins to find the truth that has already been declared by the, by the word of God, science then dies. Because it proves the fact that scripture is yea and amen. It is true that we can actually really believe in it. So why don't you say the last part with me again. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it and indulge it will eat its fruit and bear its consequences of their words. So, so last week, coming back to that, that when we choose from the tree of life, that when we choose to begin to shift our narrative, that when we choose to begin to speak not what we feel or not what we think, but what the word of the Lord says, and when we come into alignment, we choose... Uh, oh, okay. Oh, thank you. Uh, doesn't matter. Just leave it on. Uh, and, and when, we ch- when we choose, that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. When, when we choose, so from the, from, the, from the tree of, I'm going to call this the tree of life because this is red, the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. So that's, that's the reason. That's the reason. Not danger, but the blood of Jesus, right? So, so as you partake of the tree of, as you partake of the tree of life, and as you begin to choose, rather than you go to the tree which is appealing it looks so nice, it's wide and all of that, and it's so appealing. It's the tree of good and knowledge. Good and evil. That's right. Good and knowledge. 
but that's the knowledge of good and evil. You know what I mean anyway, the knowledge of good and evil. So you come and you, and so, so often we want to do what is right. So she shares of, of a particular story, and I, and I think this is a very, very powerful aspect. There was, a, in relation to uh, trauma, trauma and head injury, uh, through either accident or maybe AFL or American football or whatever, you know, that sort of thing where your head, you, you have this head injury, right? Gridiron, yeah, head injury, and, and it, really, it really impacts you. So there was a situation of a, of a young girl that was in a coma for two weeks. And, uh, you know, it is said this is now years ago, about 30-odd years ago, 20, I think about 30-odd years ago, where it is said that if you're in a coma for more than eight hours, and when you come out of that, you're pretty much a vegetable. So, because their understanding of the brain was that it was fixed. But over time now, science has realized that the brain is plastic. So meaning the brain can change. So we can retrain the way we think. We can begin to create pathways in our brain through the choice of life. Choosing from the tree of life. We begin to shift pathways and we begin to grow these branches inside that have new growth. And it happens over a period of 21 days if you do something that is consistent and continual. Right? You create a pathway. And upon 63 days of doing it, meaning three cycles of 21 days, a habit is formed. So that's how we begin to shift. Now, many times I know we have an altar call here and, and, and you and I, we come up for breakthroughs. And we come up and, and occasionally, I shouldn't say occasionally, and, and, and it happens. But then you go back and you wonder, why am I still stuck in that addiction? Why am I still going through this? Why am I still going through that? And often we feel that, oh, the issue is that when we come up, so we'll come up again and again for the altar call and then dismiss the fact that we have personal responsibility shifting this in, in, in beginning to, to rethink certain things, right? And as we begin to practice that, because the Lord says, come reflect. The Lord says, come taste and see that the Lord is good. He says all of that. So as you and I begin to do that, you, f you, you will find that you're, because your brain, firstly, do you think your brain and your mind are the same, one and the same thing? Sort of. They're separate. That's right. Thank you. That's why she said sort of. That's good. That's wise. That's very smart. That's a very smart response. Very clever. Thank you. And so it is separate because the mind is part of your soul, your mind, will, and your emotions. If we believe in the tripartite being. So there's body, soul, and spirit. So part of the soul is your mind, your will, and your emotion. So the body is subservient to your soul. And your soul is subservient to your spirit. So when we were born again, now when you look at the context of the tree of life and of the knowledge of good and evil, Eve found it appealing. She saw it was good. It was good. So she took that, she gave it to the husband. And as you know the story, husband blames the wife, the wife then blames the serpent. Right, so that whole blaming game 
goes right through history. And we have embraced it and we have adopted that and we continue with that narrative as well. Right? So something needs to shift, something needs to break. Something consistent. And so when the, when the word of the Lord says that I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power unto salvation. You are saved and you are being saved. That whole process of sanctification. So for that to happen, there must come the ability for us to align ourselves with the word of God and to process that with him. Amen. Not to leave it to just one or two of the giants who can pray for you. And that's that. Now, I'm not discounting all of that. And please, don't stop coming up. I think it, 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 when you come up, it softens your heart. When you, when you come up, it increases your faith. When you come up, it does something deep within as well. But that is not the be all and end all. That is like you are now walking through this gate that's been opened to you. And now you begin to work it and walk it out. You begin to walk it out. You and I begin to begin to walk that out. And so death and life are in the power of the tongue. And there are about five verses that I want to give you that kind of that, that are held together, I feel, by this, this central verse. And and these are the these are the verses here. You find that in 2 Timothy 1. Verse 7, that's going to be the first that we'll tackle. The second is Colossians 3.15. The third is Romans 12.2, which I know a lot of you would, would know that by the renewing of your mind. And the third is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. So we're going to look at, at, at five of these, or now four of these passages of, of Scripture. So the question that you've got to ask yourself in the back of your mind is this. Can, your, can the mind change the brain can the mind change the brain right and as i explained the mind is separate from 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 the brain so if we look at this verse now this first verse and what i'll do is this you've got the first you've got the verse and then you've got a related uh, science concept a concept that you find in science that actually relates to that passage of scripture. So for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now science shows that, and this is, gosh, this is powerful. Science shows that we are wired for love with natural opt optimism. So friends, you are not wired to be fearful. Fear does not exist in you and I. It is the context of the fallen nature that has brought this and has, has, uh, has multiplied that aspect. Because remember, the enemy tries to create fear, right? And again, some of you know the acronym that, that, that is used for fear. False evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. It is not the truth. It's false evidence because Jesus didn't declare that over you. He never ever said that. He said, the song that we sang, no weapon that is formed against you is going to prosper, is going to continue. No weapon. But in order for that to happen, we heard again a passage of scripture last week that if we abide, I, I believe it's in John 15, if we abide in him, 
So the consistency of abiding will continue to cause us to will cause will, will cause fear to diminish. When we continue, so how do we continue to abide? Should be the question. What are some ways that we continue to abide in Christ? Why don't you tell me? Speak to me. Preach to me this morning. How can you? With his word. What else? Sorry? Yes, my dear. Come to worship. What else? Waiting upon him. That's good. What else? Sorry? Meditating on his word. Reflecting. Meditating on his word. Yes. What else? What are the ways do we abide in him? Sharing the, oh, thank you. Thank you, my friend. Sharing the gospel. By sharing the gospel. Spiritual intimacy, really getting close to him, getting to know him really intimately. So as you're abiding in him. So we all get the picture that it's about staying. To abide is to stay, is to remain. Some translations use the word remain. If you remain. Right? So we continue to remain. If we stay put in one place. Have you ever told, when you go shopping with your little child... Uh, can you, I want you to stay here, okay? I'm just going to go to the next island, just go, but you stay here. And you come back and you suddenly find, where are they? And it freaks you out, right? It happened to one of my kids. I told Ryan, stay with us. When he was young, never listened, still doesn't listen. He does, he does, he does, he does. So, Sean, Leon, and me, we went to the ticket counter, I think some of you know, in Village Cinemas. We went to want to watch a movie, and we realized it was either we came early or whether it was sold out, I can't remember the context. So we were so annoyed and so frustrated, and so what did we, what did we do? So disheartened, I should say. So disheartened, so we went straight to the car and left. Drove home, all really thinking, oh man, what a shame, we missed the movie, missed the movie. Not missed Ryan, <laughs> missed the movie. And then we walk into the house and my dear wife asks, so where's Ryan? Where's, where's Ryan? Oh no, oh dear, he's at the cinemas, he's at Village Cinemas, he's there. Oh my goodness me. He was what, eight years old I think? Maybe, how old were you? Do you remember? Because that's trauma. <laughs> and today we're going to shift that. Yes. <laughs> he's blocked, he's blocked, he's blocked, he can't remember. <laughs> anyway, so we walk up and he sees that he's thankfully had the, the wisdom and the presence of mind to go to the ticket supervisor or whatever and say that my dad left me. <laughs> Thank God they didn't put me in jail. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, we grabbed him. And so, so today, because of that, we continue to mollycoddle him so that, you know, he feels, doesn't feel, doesn't feel, doesn't feel rejected. Hallelujah. So, signs. Signs shows that we are wired. We are wired. And I'm not sure why I shared that story, but we are wired for love with, with, with natural, with natural optimism, right? Oh, fear, fear, fear. That's right. That's the word. That's the that's the aspect. We are not wired for fear, but we are wired to love. So deep within all of us, 
we all have the propensity to love. That's why we love God. You know, that's why when you come here and during our worship, I, I want to say this, during our worship, we are from many different cultures. So when you hear someone go, la, 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 where do you think that is from? Africa, hallelujah. From the depth of Africa comes that release to the Lord God Almighty. When you hear some of us whistle, when you hear some of us shout, we're not entering into a trance, friends. We are rejoicing. We are rejoicing. We are rejoicing. We are rejoicing. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. Right? So when we rejoice, and we are not, we're not faking it because we love him. When you love, when you love your sport, what do you do? You shout out, you, you clap, you celebrate, you whistle, you do anything, right? When you love someone, you see the person from a distance, you begin to do that, that, what, what call is that? No, the call of love, that's right, the call of love. So you do that, you try to gain that attention because there is this love that, 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 that goes out. You try to draw them, you call them. <laughs> You call them. Okay, the next, the, the, the next, we better get on. Otherwise, we won't finish our, our message today. Okay, Colossians chapter 3 verse 15 is the next, is the next very, is, is the next verse here. So why don't you read it with me? Let the peace of Christ, soul harmony which comes from Christ, rule, act as umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds in that peaceful state to which as members of Christ's one body, you are also called to live and be thankful, appreciative, giving praise to God always. So here, if you look at what signs then now, links, the link that we can bring in is this, that choice is real and free will, sorry, choice is real and free will exists. Right, you are able to stand outside of yourself, observe your own thinking, consult with God and change the, the negative toxic thought or grow the healthy positive thought. When you do this, your brain responds with a positive non-neurochemical uh, rush and structural changes that will improve your intellect, health and peace you will experience soul harmony. So the story that I started sharing with you, which I'll share bits through my message, the parents refused to accept because when they checked her brain, there were holes in her brain. So the parents refused to accept that report. And they began to now speak the word of God to this child. They began to play her favorite music. They began to play the movies that she would like, that would inspire positive. Nothing negative was spoken over her, but they could not, they, 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 they could not control the negative that would be spoken by well-meaning doctors. Who would say things like this? I don't think there's much hope. I don't think there's much hope. In two weeks, she began to respond. In two weeks of that, she began to respond. And she told them, I heard everything. I heard the negative and I heard the positive, but I wanted to fight. I fought to want to come back. I fought to want to come back. This young girl, 
So the parents managed to get in touch with, uh, oh, there's no video today. So the parents managed to get in touch with, uh, I can cross the border now, <laughs> hallelujah. The parents began to get in touch with Dr. Carolyn Leaf and told her what the situation was and can you help my daughter? So for over an extended period of time, began to meet twice a week, twice a week. Now she comes out of coma and she gets, she's actually in year 10 or year 11, but she goes back to year four because of a mental state. But imagine coming back from coma and still getting into year four is still an extremely powerful aspect. But she had a particular fight within. She had a vision. She had a purpose. So that was all part of her soul, part of her mind. She began to think of that. She began to see things. And she wanted it so much that she said, I want to join my year 11 cohort and graduate with them. And she actually did. Months later. And you know what happened? This treatment brought her to a point where her intelligence, her IQ was so high that her intelligence grew because of all of the rewiring that began to take place within her by the renewing of your mind. So her mind began to inform the brain. And because the parents really believed, because there is power for life and death, that is the power in the tongue towards life and death. So we could have received that. I remember when my mom, you know, when my mom was in the hospital, she had a stroke. And there were questions that I was asking her that I think to myself, gosh, I wish I didn't. But we also know that God has a time for everyone. But yet, we need to correspond, we need to align with God's will. And we will never know. So we should never ever give up. Where there is hope, we should always pursue that. Where there is hope, we should always pursue. The third verse, Romans chapter 12, verse 11. Uh, sorry, chapter 12, verse 2. Say, uh, please say it with me. Do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. <coughs> and the related science concept, the related concept is this, that through our thoughts, we can be our own microsurgeons. As we make choices that will change the circuits in our brain, we are designed to do our brain surgery and rewire our brains by thinking and by choosing to renew our minds. Imagine that. So we rewire that. You and I, that's why a, a coming up for the altar call is not it. It's not the be all and end all. But what happens after that? Something does happen here. Something awesome and powerful happens here. But what happens when you leave this space? What do you do? There are five things I want to give you today that, you, that, that I would like 
for you to take home and do that. And do that over a 21-day period and see what begins to happen. So in order to create a new pathway, I did mention it takes 21 days. And when you do that, as you continue to do that, there are five steps that she begins to recommend in that. And, and many of us do it in several different ways, at least one or two of the five things. But to do it repeatedly, sequentially, that's the point when you begin to do that. You actually really begin to build a new grid. Imagine that you and I, we are, we are our own surgeons. You hear the term mind over matter? We've often heard that mind over matter, mind over matter. When I was growing up, I used to love doing that. I used to love sitting down, and I read this was before I became a believer. I used to read books about this, and I used to sit down to see if I could move that, that fork or that spoon or if I could bend it. And I used to do that. I mean, not do that, but I used to want to do that. I used to want to do that. I don't want to freak you guys out here. I used to, I used to want to do that. And I used to read books on astral travel, and I, and, 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 and I, think, I, I think I went somewhere. Yeah, I, I kid you not. You know? Um, and, and I remember praying with someone when I was going for a mission trip. And as I was praying, this person said, there's, there's a, this was after I became a believer, and this person, this, this pastor told me that I, I find that there's a, it's just, there's, there's some sort of a thing in your mind that, that I can't, it's difficult to break through. And, and, and so she asked me a few questions and I said, Oh, yeah, that's true. And then she began to say this. In order for you to get full release of that, you need to want to acknowledge that that has got no part in this new life. And so I had to renounce that. I had to, I had, I had to come against that. I had to break that hold over me, despite me now being a believer. And something really happened. And, my, and a lot of my early days of being a believer was about this aspect of reading the word and having the word transform, having the word, you know, and, 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 and really, really looking into that and allowing that to make a huge, a huge impact on you. So trusting God, faith was something that, that's it. Whatever it is, I will believe. Even if I don't see in the natural, I will believe to whatever ex extent, and then you get supposedly more mature as a believer, and your faith level becomes filled with wisdom, supposed wisdom, which causes you to trust lesser, and look into the tree of good and evil, knowledge of good and evil. Because we begin to then transect this faith in a sense that is devoid of what God says. <coughs> and so let's look at the final verse here. I didn't say final point, final verse, <laughs> just to clarify. So this related concept, can you read it with me, please? We are destroyed. And, and, and when we say this, I want, I, want us to, I want us to speak this out with a sense of real, real a, a real sense of declaration over yourself. We are destroying sophisticated arguments and every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God 
and we are taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ. When, okay, obedience of Christ. So the concept here is this. When you objectively observe your thinking with the view of capturing rogue thoughts, you in effect direct your attention to stop the negative impact and rewire healthy new circuits into your brain. So when we begin, there are a lot of rogue thoughts that go through our mind. You know, things that you could be, you, 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 you could be um, uh, meditating. And, and it, it happened to me this last couple of days. I've been really trying to meditate. But I've been listening so much to Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> I've been listening to that because there are 17 parts from, from a piano standpoint. 17 different parts to that song. So I'm trying to maybe try and break it open to challenge myself using this kind of a principle as well and just rather than say, oh, man, that's ridiculous. So I'm meditating and suddenly, mama mia, mama mia. It's, you know, it's entering my head, right? And then, you know, in the song, there are other things as well. And so I'm just, so I, I have to consistently begin to push it out because these are rogue thoughts that are coming in, consistently coming in. So when you give attention to whatever, especially when you go to bed. What do you watch? What do you read? Those things begin to take, they, they creep inside. They creep in and they begin to get into your subconscious. Because even when you're resting, your brain is actually really working. It's really working, right? So, <clears throat> some, there, there are five aspects that as we, as we take, as we take this, does this, is this, um, Helping, helping you guys this morning. Amen. Amen. And, and this is, again, it is on the con context of the power of the gospel in proclamation, in proclaiming. What are you proclaiming? Are we proclaiming salvation over our families? Though we may not see that, but are we proclaiming it? Will we continue to proclaim that? Are we pro proclaiming salvation over the ones that we love, people, our neighbors, all of that? That's the proclamation, right? It has to start there first because then it must shift things within because so many of us have had bad experiences in that, in taking the gospel out. And so we begin to embrace these bad experiences and we think it ain't going to work. We pray for someone and the person doesn't get healed. And so we begin to take that and we take it as if it is our issue, our problem. But that's not it. Because healing is good news. So let's begin to shift this. Let's begin to shift this. Let's begin to shift this as a church. Collectively, that we all begin to shift. Right? You may have been abused. You may have, you know, so many things may have happened. Trauma, all of that may have happened. But today, the good news is this. That is not here to stay, friends. It is not here to remain. It is not here to stay. God is going to shift that. So here are five things really quickly and I'm done, and, and I'm done this morning. So these five things are this. <coughs> it's gather. What do you gather, right? So gather, it is, it is increasing your awareness about what comes. What are these rogue thoughts that come into your mind? It's all about being self-aware. It's all about being awake. Raising an awareness of what it is, right? Raising an awareness of the signals coming into your mind from external environment. So for me now, I realize, okay, because I'm listening to that a lot, so that's just coming in. So I have to create a way to push that out and not let that. 
And you, you know, you watch certain movies and all of that, and you hear, you know, a particular language that is spoken. You don't speak it, but then it, it just suddenly comes in, and it, it's like a roar. It's, it's, it's like these. <coughs> it's like this. It's like a SWAT team that's just trying to come in and, 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 and kill the good that is inside of us. Amen. Focused reflection. The second aspect is focused reflection. Now, science is indeed catching up with the Bible here. So this is an ancient biblical principle. We all know what reflection is. Tenda, I mentioned just now about meditating. That is reflection. Now, if you've done the emotionally healthy spirituality, uh, that's an important part where we begin to reflect. We take time to, to come before the Lord in quietness for a few minutes. Some people are able to be quiet and reflect before the Lord for a lengthy amount of time because they have trained themselves in waiting on the Lord. Amen? Now, here are some headlines that you find that science begins to, to put out there. There are hundreds of headlines, but let me give you just a few here. One is this. Mindfulness meditation may relieve chronic inflammation. Science says that. Evidence supports health benefits of mindfulness-based practices. Breast cancer survivors benefit from practicing mindfulness-based stress reduction. How many women have you spoken to who have come across the context of breast cancer who feel they may have that but don't want to go to the doctor because they don't want to find out that they have it? There is this sense of fear. How many men who don't want to bother to do this prostate? Prostate, now I got, got that right. Prostate test because they are afraid. So fear sets in and here you find that when you practice mindfulness based, it helps. Don't worry, be happy. Understanding mindfulness meditation. Right, you watch Lion King, Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matata, what is that? Hakuna Matata. Hakuna. Don't worry. No worries, mate. No worries, mate. Yep, you come to Australia and that's, that's what you're reminded. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Right, so Hakuna Matata. Don't worry, don't worry. Be, be, be as happy as Larry. You know? So don't worry. Don't worry at all. The next thing, mindfulness meditating training changes brain structure in eight weeks. There's a course that's out there. Mindfulness meditating changes brain structure in eight weeks. Church, the Lord, the Bible has taught us that years ago. Why aren't we ahead in this area? Why shouldn't we be ahead in this area? Why aren't we advertising it like that? Why aren't we advertising listening prayer here? Come for eight weeks. Come for, come for two months. Come for three months. That's good. That's good. Because it's going to change and it's going to rewire your mind. So what do you think? Isn't that a good ad, ad my friend? Ian, don't you think that was a good advertisement? Praise God. Hallelujah. So now listening prayer. First and second week of every month. Do come. Because it is, it is going to... It is going to create a real shift. 
It is opportunities like this that begin to create a real shift for you and I. But you can do that in your own, you can do that in your own privacy as well. Now, the, the third point is write. What do you write? So your brain writes through, and hear, hear this, your brain writes through a genetic progression, right? There's, an, there's a particular expression, there's a particular genetic expression that your brain, that your brain begins, begins to write, right? So when you actually write, what you're doing is you're going to mirror that process. So when you write, you mirror what your brain is actually trying to also, to also do. So writing consolidates the memory and actually adds clarity to what you have been thinking about. Don't you realize that, that when someone tells you, what are your goals? Write down your goals. When you begin to write down, then you figure out, man, is, is this really my goal? It brings clarity. It brings a lot of sharpness to what you're doing. So writing. So <coughs> remember, the first step is this, that you begin to gather. Gather your thoughts. What are these rogue thoughts? The second aspect is focus reflection. What are you reflecting on? You know, capture these rogue thoughts, right? The, the, the third aspect is write down. Now, after you've done the first two, you begin to now come to a place where now I can start to write things down that I feel are giving me more clarity, right? The next, the next point is this. Revisit. Revisit. This is, a, this is a progressive moving forward step that when you revisit. So you revisit where you are and look at how to make change happen. So what happens here is that because your brain is plastic, you would have stimulated some major neuroplastic activity. By putting your brain into a highly active place for positive change. So as you begin to revisit some of these things, you are actually, you've already now begun to excite your brain. <coughs> and, and it is at a place, so in other words, what it's, actually, what it's simply saying is this, you have now prepared your brain for positive change. Plant. Right? You take it out from a particular place where there's so much of weeds and all of that. You take it out of that. Now you begin to replant it. So our minds are like that. There's so much of weeds here and there. But as we begin to weed it out, as we begin to write things, as we begin to weed it out, it, it then creates a safe place for you and I to plant this. And the last point, active reach. Right? So active reach now. These are planned actions and exercises that you say and do. Again, from the tree of life. You heard it put to us last week that I may want to say this, but now I go to the tree of life and I begin to speak what brings life. So the more we begin to speak what brings life and the more we choose from that tree and we, and, and some of us, we need to, we need to, Get back to that place. We need to revisit that tree again and again and again and again. And draw from that tree. And you will find now the shift begins to really happen. So these are new healthy thoughts and practices that you engage with until, and this is the key word, until it is automatized. Until it becomes automatic. Until it becomes your new default. Until it becomes your new you. So this is the new me. This is who I am. 
this is who I am. This is who I am. So friends, looking at this passage of scripture again. For I'm not ashamed, say it with me, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. If I can have the team come up here, that would be really wonderful. (coughs) So, (coughs) today, just to summarize what 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 I've shared today. Is this. I'm not discounting the power of this space. There is something that the church has started to engage with and we thank God for the federal government that's given us a sizable grant and we've got a few stakeholders to begin to reach migrants, refugees, South Sudanese youth to begin to reach what they term as the marginalized. We all actually fall into the category of marginalized when you look at the aspect of what the enemy tries to do to us and what has happened. And we can relate. Now when they come, they're given one of these. In the back it says, bringing Australians together. And this year, you've got the emblem that says, Hope, Australia Soccer Academy. Because it's about hope. Last week, one of the coaches came to me and said that, you know, there's this individual that's here and he's, he's like so, so angry because the ball hit his head. And, he, and, and the look on his face, he said, was like, was, was, was quite nasty. So I went and... This week I went and I saw the dad and I had a chat with the dad and I asked the dad, kind of chatted with him and we began to, she began to share with me certain aspects because many of them come from, come with trauma. And so trauma gets into your DNA and it is passed on. That is why when the word of the Lord says the third and fourth generation, if we don't change that in our generation, it's going to visit the next generation. So you and I need to do that. That's why Paul says, by the renewing of our minds. And so as the dad began to explain to me, and I thought, wow, I had context. But he was told he was, he was stupid or something along those lines. When he went to his teachers and when he went and shared certain things, the teachers didn't believe. He went and sat for an IQ test. He scored 146. Imagine that. So they get one of these, and then they get this. This full trackie. Oh, this is so cute. They're Australian and Brazilian colors. Australian and Brazilian colors. Again, they get this set, they get that, and they get a pair of socks, and they get shorts, and a jersey as well. And all they pay is 80 bucks for a term, but they get this for free. We give this to them. I mean, you should have seen, you should have seen Carrie and Katia and Livia as well. They come on Saturdays. And if some of you can come, uh, Romeo was there on Saturday. We started with about eight kids, 10 kids. Now we've got close to 40 kids. 
we're hitting about 175 kids in schools. Thank you. We went to another school to do a presentation. I didn't even get through my third or fourth or fifth point. They just, yeah, we won it. And the, the PE coordinator or well-being, no, not the well-being, the PE coordinator comes into the meeting saying that, oh, I just had to settle a fight. So there's opportunity to get into that school now. Again, to begin to shift, to begin to be part of a process that will change the mindset. Now, obviously, I may not use God and all of that there, but I can talk about hope. And when they know why we believe what we believe, they'll want to know more. Right? They'll want to know more. I know some families already want to come and visit. You know? Some of these families, especially these Afghan families, man, they, hospitality is an amazing thing. They put us to shame. Right? I, I asked for a recipe to cook kabuli. And the next thing I know is this. Next week, I bring kabuli for you, you and you. So now I'm afraid to ask a recipe <laughs> because then they may actually cook that and bring it, you know? Because we're here to, to want to bless them. But when they come from that background where they know they haven't got much but they want to give what they have, that's amazing. Friends, there's so much opportunity for us to touch the world, to touch people by going out there and by sharing what we have which is we are wired to love. Yes. That's what we are wired to. You and I are wired to love. Why don't you stand with me today? And why don't you consider the opportunities that are present here and the opportunities that you have, wherever you are. <coughs> Not to be fearful, but to begin to embrace this aspect that you have within you and get back to this tree. Sorry, this tree. Get back to this tree. <laughs> Almost went to the wrong tree and that happens. Get back to this tree. The tree of life. And this is the tree that you and I need to begin to. So close your eyes and begin to picture this. And as you begin to picture this tree, begin to picture these dendrites in your brain that's forming all these funny little structures inside. They are like nerves. They are like these little, little, you know, strands that are just moving because now it's creating these pathways. <coughs> and begin to confess right now, begin to say that even in your own mind, because remember it is your mind that informs the brain because the brain is part of our physical body. But you know, I started saying this and I want to complete this, that when, when Eve was tempted, she saw that it was good. So it was the eye. It was the physical aspect that appealed to her. But when Jesus talks about being born again, he explains in John chapter 3 that you must be born of the Spirit. So for transformation to begin to happen, friends, in the first instance, I will call it devastation that took place, came in through what we saw from the physical aspect. But transformation happens when our spirit 
is open and when we say come now change me and so now if you've been born again if you've received Jesus the spirit of god has come into your spirit and now that's your home he's there that's his home come into this home right that's that home and when he's there he then begins to impact your soul meaning the way you think the way you feel and the way you emote it begins to impact that the spirit begins to impact your soul it is also said that when you look at a cross section of a person's brain who speaks in tongues there are some aspects of the brain that begins to get wired up comes alive that when you begin to speak that is why Paul says and that is why I pray in the spirit more pray in the spirit more because it is the spirit that informs it bypasses even your soul and it communicates to the spirit of god yes hallelujah so that's one other way of remaining in him thank you jesus